All right. Uh, so I wanted to give uh, some interpretation, understanding, and clarity as to what took place on today. What was its meaning, its significance, its value, and its lessons. Uh, number one, I think uh, what we cannot ignore was the meaning of today um, and how it unfolded and unpacked. We saw a complete anxiety attack, a meltdown of those who had pledged allegiance to white supremacy. Why on this day where they toppled, do they lose heart and lose their head at the exact same time? One of the things that you cannot ignore on this day that will go down in American history, January the 6th, 2021. First thing that you've got to be mindful of is what happened on today that sparked the fuse for this afternoon. They witnessed before their very eyes the toppling of white supremacy by virtue of the fact that between one o'clock this morning and one o'clock in the afternoon, I need you to hear this, a black preacher and a Jewish man was elected in the South representing Old Dixie. You cannot lose sight of the fact that Georgia was the epicenter and the heartbeat of white supremacy. And to have representation of the two most marginalized groups ascend themselves to the helm of power and to topple what was the figurehead of white privilege left them dizzied. Now, you've got to back up to understand how it is that Kelly Loeffler got into the Senate in the first place. She got into the Senate. She was not elected. She was appointed because she and her husband were the highest donors of the sitting governor of Georgia. What should not be lost on you is the amount of wealth that the Lawflers brought to the table. At the beginning of the campaign, she loaned herself $24 million. Did you hear what I just said? She loaned herself $24 million. She has such wealth that her husband, many of you do not know, is the gentleman, Mr. Loeffler, who brought bitcoins to the New York Stock Exchange. I think I said that too fast. He brought bitcoins to the New York Stock Exchange. So they were of no shortage of money. So can you imagine what is the messaging that a black preacher who pastors Martin Luther King Jr.'s church obstructs white privilege and white wealth with a grassroots campaign, it is a toppling. Now on the other side, don't forget we acquired two Senate seats, but I need you all to understand the significance, the angst and the anger 
behind uh, Antifa, white nationalists, and white supremacists. John Ossoff was elected today at one o'clock. Why is that important? John Ossoff, which is not in the commercials, not in the radio advertisements, John Ossoff is Jewish. Now, I'm in Georgia. The reason why that is significant, reason why that is important is you all don't even know. It wasn't until the end of the 50s that they would even allow Jews to build synagogues. That's how marginalized they were. To add insult to injury, John Ossoff at one o'clock this afternoon became the youngest member of Senate. Youngest member of Senate. Now, I don't have any conspiracy theories. I'm just giving you facts. He's Jewish. And do you know how old John Ossoff is? 33. Y'all lost it. He's Jewish. And he's 33. Those of you who don't know what that means, that has no significance to you, forget about it. Go and ask somebody. Now, the president blows a dog whistle of white supremacy and told the Proud Boys to stand back and to stand by because it was his intention that today, friends, was not supposed to be a demonstration. It's not supposed to be a protest. It was supposed to be a coup. As a consequence, the Capitol Police, when it is that they felt that they were encroached upon, the Capitol Police is different from Washington Police because the Capitol Police, hear this, is a federal entity. Therefore, Mayor Bowser has no authority over the Capitol Police. The Capitol Police, when it is that they're beginning to bum rush into the Capitol, who do they call for backup? They call the Department of Defense. The Department of Defense, I need you all to hear this, refused to send support. They refused to send help. So they sat back idly. As you all know who follow me, I was in uh, Louisville, Kentucky this summer after the killing of Breonna Taylor, and they wouldn't even let us cross the bridge, and we had no weapons. Those of you who follow me know I've been arrested several times outside of the Supreme Court with no weapons and no elected officials in danger. What it is that we saw today is these anarchists were taking selfies with police because they knew it. Just three weeks ago, just three weeks ago, President Trump changed the administrators at the Department of Defense because he knew that this day was coming and it was planning. The question, I don't know it. I'm just raising it out. Was today a rehearsal for what they wanted to do on January 20th, which is the inauguration day of the president? Amazingly, we are seeing now 
as I am speaking to you, Republican senators and congressional people doing the electric slide, moving backwards away from what it is that they originally planned and intended to do because the very fabric, character, and the integrity of our democracy is now placed in question. I got to pause here because you have to note that because of what happened today, that one of their ranks died, shot, killed, died. Can you imagine? This is just conjecture. I don't know the answer. What do you think would have been the response if it was Black Lives Matter protesters scaling the wall? What do you think would have been the issue or the reaction of armed forces if it was African-Americans bombarding the Senate chamber, sitting on the speaker of the House's desk, spray painting the majority whip's home? What would have been the response? Those of you who are colorblind, you have got to get your cataracts checked. I've got to ask a question tonight, the question that I've got to raise, that I've got to levy, that I've got to, in fact, uh, pose, is where tonight are the evangelicals? Where are the Christian white evangelicals? I'm waiting. I've got TVs on everywhere for TBN and Daystar to interrupt the regularly scheduled program to introduce their call into accountability. I want every single one of them who after it is that Obama left the White House said that they were supporting Donald Trump. Why? Because they believe he was restoring the soul of the nation. Where are the evangelicals? who said that finally spirituality was going to find its rightful place. Where are the evangelicals who called for African angels? Where are the evangelicals who said finally we will have the righteousness and the banner of Zion? Where are the evangelicals who will lay their bodies down for Israel but won't say a word about Palestine? Where are the evangelicals who will take black people's money but won't let black people in the finance room? Where are the evangelicals and all the more, where do we go from here? Today, we're reminded of uh, Malcolm X who said the chickens have come home to roost. Many pundits and talking heads on uh, Television networks, many elected officials have been saying forthrightly, we've never seen America like this. And you'll note that nobody who made that statement has melanin. Because black people just sat back in shock and awe. Because in our heads and in our minds, we've been saying, see, I told you, this is what we've had to deal with. The Karens left Walmart and went to Washington. The Karens left Target and found themselves on the steps of the Supreme Court.
The Karens who in fact felt empowered and equipped over these last four years to do and to say anything found themselves as a Popeye's chicken sandwich. They've come home to roost. Now in the last 48 hours, in the last 48 hours, did you not see what happened? That it was just 24 hours ago they announced that for our dear brother in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was shot in his back while his children watched that absolutely no charges would be brought against the police? Have you seen what has happened in the last 48 hours? That in the last 48 hours, something intriguing and arresting has happened? That yet still and again, there is no progress in the Breonna Taylor trial. Have you seen what has happened? There is no trial, excuse me. No charges. So the question that we've got to ask ourselves is where do we go from here? Because we have matured in the face of our ancestors and predecessors. Why? Because our generation. When we went to the polls on November 3rd and again on January 5th, we went, hear this, not voting for personalities. We voted on principles. The great majority of you who are listening to me on tonight were not over the moon enthusiasts around Joseph Robert Biden. You were not overwhelmingly familiar with John Ossoff, but you went to the polls with the understanding, I've got to be able to garner a livable wage. Cornel West said that America is the only place in the world where we have a class called the working poor, that you can work 40 hours a week and still not have enough to feed your family. We went to the polls, not because of any snappy, uh, commercials or any slogans or any cliches. We went to the polls. Why? We went to the polls because we wanted to raise minimum wage. Went to the polls because we wanted affordable health care. We went to the polls because we didn't want our mothers, our grandparents to have to choose between their medication and getting food. We went to the polls because we're upset at the fact that HBCUs have got to stay on life support when we produce 57% of those who are in the working class. We went to the polls. Why? Because black people have more student loan debt than credit card debt. We went to the polls because we can get loans for used cars, but cannot get loans to start businesses. We went to the polls. Why? Because our poverty ratio is at all time high because black people have become renters and we're not owners. It's only black people in America who have housewarming parties for apartments. Ladies and gentlemen, the first 100 days of what it is that President-elect Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris introduce has got to be meaningful and tangible. Here it is, particularly with the mind frame that it was black women who delivered them. The Democratic Party owes black women. And I want to tell you why. The Democratic Party owes black women 
because consistently since 2008, the most consistent voting block in America has been black women. Hear this. Black women is the reason why Barack Hussein Obama got elected twice. Black women is the reason that Joseph Robert Biden got elected when his whole campaign was tanked. Don't y'all forget this till he got to South Carolina and big mama in them in Columbia, in Charlestown, Charleston, in Georgetown, in Myrtle Beach, made up in their mind. Let's give Joe a shot because we remember that that was Obama's boy. Y'all can't let these people have amnesia. When it is that you look at the demographic breakdown of who elected Joseph Biden, overwhelmingly, it was black women, brothers. 11% of black men voted for Trump. Don't y'all put that fist in the air now when you all was listening to Lil Wayne and 50 Cent just six weeks ago. 12% of black men winning the polls and voted for Donald Trump. Let me pause and salute and celebrate black women. And while we're talking about black women, I would be derelict in my responsibility tonight if I did not wave high the banner of appreciation and admiration for my Spelman sister. It was an amazing wonder woman who quite frankly, had the election stolen from her and had there not been voter suppression, she would be the governor of Georgia right now. Don't y'all sleep on Stacey Abrams. Now, I came to Atlanta December 8th, 2018, 30 days after the election was stolen from Stacey Abrams. I got to give it to you all cold-blooded, straight, so you all can understand. They begin to purge the voter rolls when they begin to see the number of African-Americans who were registered. They begin to pull off those numbers. Yes, my dear sister Stacey Abrams. The person who was over it is known as the Secretary of State. Now, the Secretary of State, you have to understand, is who it is that Donald Trump called on Saturday night at midnight asking him to find 11,187 votes. That's the Secretary of State because they certify the election. Now, 2018, who was the Secretary of State? I'm trying to help y'all. I'm gonna make you the smartest person at work tomorrow. Who was the Secretary of State in 2018? You got it. The Secretary of Georgia in 2018 is presently the governor, Governor Kemp. He suppressed the votes, redirected them, and then placed himself in the office. I'm telling you all, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty under God for the pulling down of strongholds. So when we talk about white privilege and white supremacy, we ain't talking about no waitress coming slow to your table. We're talking about powers and principalities that work. And while I'm on it, let me talk about white privilege for just one moment. 
Raphael Warnock beat Raphael Warnock beat Kelly Loeffler. Who did John Ossoff beat that would enrage and anger these white hillbilly supremacists who stormed the Capitol on today? He beat former Senator Purdue. Now, that name sounds familiar. Who 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 is that? Pastor Brian, who who is Senator Purdue? Now, y'all Google it. Look, look it up. Don't take my word for it. Senator Purdue is the cousin, or is it the brother? Y'all help me. He's the relative of former Governor Purdue. It's all in the line, y'all. It's all in the system. And so for Osoff and Warnock to come in, they single-handedly in 24 hours obstructed white wealth and white nepotism that they did not see coming. The last statement, the last statement that uh, Senator Warnock made is that his 87-year-old mother voted for him. For those of you who live outside of Georgia, I need you to hear what this black preacher said. My 87-year-old mother, this is the words of Reverend Raphael Warnock, that picked cotton, picked a U.S. senator. Now, the reason why that is so significant, Senator Warnock, who was elected last night, said my 87-year-old mother who picked cotton, picked her youngest son to be U.S. Senator. Pastor Brian, please tell me why that's important. That's so important because in our minds, we see cotton picking as a different world and lifetime ago. Senator Raphael Warnock, my Morehouse classmate, he's two or three years ahead of me, uh, was able to bear witness that one generation removed he finds himself going to the U.S. Senate. Now, Nelson B. Rivers III, former uh, South Carolina head of the NAACP, said something very significant that I want to share with you tonight. He says, a protest without policy is just a parade. I better give that to you again. Somebody write that down. A protest without policy is just a parade. If you really believe through a, a, a nimble thought process, if you really believe it is over because we won the election, then you have lost sight of it. We have to roll up our sleeves and really get in the work. We've got to hold them accountable to let them know that we are not in it for a moment, but it has transformed into a movement. This is a critical moment because those of you who deluded yourself into believing after the election of Barack Hussein Obama, that we were in a post-racial society. Now I've got to realize that the Klan no longer wears white robes. They now wear Brooks Brothers suits. We have moved from Jim Crow to Jim Crow Jr., it's a whole lot more sophisticated, a whole lot better financed. 
And now we have to nuance to mature ourselves. To believe here it is that the Calvary is not coming. That we've got to find our independent strength and wherewithal in order to push forward. There's some principles that we've got to learn from the Black Panther Party. The Black Panther Party told us that we've got to feed ourselves, educate ourselves, and protect ourselves. I got to give it to you again. Some of y'all are going to be mad. I got to give it to you again. The Black Panther Party endeavored to teach us that we got to feed ourselves, educate ourselves, protect ourselves. I know the church folk are falling out, but I'm going to give it to you one last time. We've got to feed ourselves, educate ourselves, protect ourselves. We are living, here it is, in a food crisis. One of the things that we have seen in COVID-19 is how many of our people are living in food insecurity. One million people in America, I need somebody to write this down, one million people in America will sleep in their car tonight. Y'all just missed it. One million people in America will sleep in their car tonight. Do you know how many children you all are talking about the digital divide and the digital crisis from those who don't have Wi-Fi and how they're running behind? But nobody, no politician, no Democratic or Republican Party is raising the issue that many of our children are going hungry because school was the only place they had a hot meal. Come on now. Those of us who went to public school know how many kids was walking there eating barbecue potato chips and grape soda, and that was breakfast. And they were left to take a standardized test while they were bouncing off the walls. My church, New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in Stonecrest, Georgia, we are the largest land-owning black church in America. And I said to them that this is an affront to black people If on all this property, all I have is a church in a parking lot. Y'all don't like me. I say it's an affront to black people. If the only thing I have on this property is a church and a parking lot. So as a consequence, in the middle of the pandemic, I have grown a garden on the church. The largest urban garden of a black mega church in America. We're growing okra and greens and yams. Why? Because you got to drive miles before you can get to fresh produce and vegetation. In this pandemic, our church, I need you all to hear this. I ain't talking about the choir singing. I ain't telling y'all to go buy my latest tape series. In the pandemic, we have fed a half million people. I ain't talking about for Thanksgiving or Christmas. 500,000 people have had to drive through our church just to be able to eat during the week. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you what is the role of the responsibility of the black church going forward. We can't wait for the government to do it if they're giving y'all $600 to survive when it was supposed to be 2000 We got to feed ourselves. Not only do we have to feed ourselves, secondarily, what we have to do is educate ourselves. Malcolm X said it, and I 
It's my second time quoting him tonight. Malcolm X says, how do you leave your children to be oppressed, to, to learn at the hand of their oppressor? Julian Bond, one of the founders of SNCC and the former head of the NAACP, said something is criminal when we send our children to school for 12 years and they come out with only six years worth of education. The Washington Post, the New York Times, USA Today have all said those who are lagging behind in this virtual learning space are black and brown children. And y'all still doing coloring books for Sunday school? And Taekwon and Lakeisha can't conjugate verbs and can't reduce fractions? We're going to have to reimagine what our church space looks like. Y'all can't gather for worship, but can we gather for tutorial and programming when our kids can't read, can't compete? If 40% of what it is that you learn in the school year, you miss or lose or forget from June to August. And our children have been out of school since March. I mean, physical school. Where are we? I'm talking to y'all old school. I'm closer now to 50 than I was to 40. Old school, we used to go to Sunday school, sit in a semicircle. Y'all don't remember that? You read a verse, you read a verse, you read a verse. Why? Because our Sunday school teachers' real vocation was teachers. And they wanted to hear our acumen to read, to comprehend, to understand. It wasn't about no Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Could you understand? And at that point, none of us was on medication. Y'all don't like this on the day. We've got to figure out a way. So one of the things that we've done at our church is we bought Zooms for every grade level. I'm telling you, pastors, what you need to do, whatever church you're in, buy Zooms. Why? So that our children will be able to understand because we have entrusted homeschooling to parents who never went to PTA. Pastor Brown, what did you just say? We have trusted homeschooling to parents who never showed up to PTA. If we have the data from George Barner that the average African-American post high school never reads a nonfiction book cover to cover. And these are who we are entrusting to our kids to be able to develop. Benjamin Elijah Mays, former president of Morehouse College, said this. We have to run faster or we'll forever be left behind. We have to run faster forever be left behind. Third, we have to feed ourselves. We got to educate ourselves. We have to defend ourselves. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am a follower of the philosophy of Martin Luther King Jr., who was the apostle of nonviolence. And I want you to remember, those of you who don't know, that while it is that Dr. King was the apostle of nonviolence, he also had the deacons of defense. The churches in Washington, D.C. found their churches vandalized, that Black Lives Matter uh, signs were torn down. Here it is, because we're not protecting our sacred spaces. We're not protecting our churches. We're not protecting our seniors and our children.
What we saw today is we saw an exercise of a constitutional right. A constitutional right to bear arms. It's only black people who think that we don't have a right to defend ourselves. The quickest way for us to get gun reform is if all black men went and got a license. I know 20 y'all just fell out right there. I can't believe the preacher is saying this, but something is wrong. I need you all to hear this from me. Something is wrong if the only person protected at the church is the pastor. Did he just say that? I, I better lower it. I, I better say that again. Something is wrong if the only person who feels safe at the church is the pastor and the first lady. And everybody else got to run to the car clutching their purse. How in the world? And I believe that you ought to cover the man of God. I'm all for that. But should everybody else be left in insecurity? Are we? So let, let's put the guns away. Let you put the guns. We can't teach our daughters self-defense. Can't teach our sons self-defense. There ought to be something. The Lord says in the book of Exodus that I am the God of war and the, and the Lord is my name. Yeah, I'm not telling you to go pick a fight. I'm telling you that we ought to be able to stand strong and firm in what it is that we believe. Today we saw anarchy. To say, today we saw confusion. Today we saw medlam. But today we saw that God is still in charge. They brought a Confederate flag into the United States Capitol, the side that lost. Outside of the United States Capitol, they left a hanging noose, the instrument that they used to use on black men and women. Today we saw them push past police and go and seize the seat of power. But today I want to remind you that all is not lost because he said, and the government shall be on his shoulders. We talk it, but do we believe it? In God we trust. Antifa, white supremacists, they bombarded the seat of power but I got to tell you what's going to happen on January 20th. I'm a preacher. I'm a gospel preacher and gospel means good news. On January 20th, white supremacists are mad. They're angry. They're upset. Antifa's about to blow a casket. But no matter what they did today, on January 20th, a black woman is going to be the vice president of these yet to be United States of America. On January 20th, I want you all to know the epicenter for the Confederacy and the headquarters of white supremacy, Georgia, is going to swear in a black preacher into the United States Senate. The very first time a preacher has been in the Senate since Reconstruction, that seat was held by Hiram Revels, an AME preacher. On January 20th, a Jewish man from Georgia 33 years of age 
is going to be sworn in. On January 20th, the largest class of the Congressional Black Caucus will assume their rightful place. Be not dismayed. Whatever the tide, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings, let love abide. For God will take care of you. In the words of those Negro preachers, that never went to Howard, never went to Morehouse, never went to Spelman, never went to Clark, never went to FAMU. The only thing I wanted to tell you is walk together, children. Don't you get weary. It's going to be a great camp meeting in the promised land. Let's make sure we educate ourselves, we feed ourselves, and we protect ourselves. So help us, God. God bless you.